Hello. Hey. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we are here for season five, episode nine, Unidentified Black Males. Yeah. Written by Terrence Winter and Matthew Weiner, directed by Tim Van Patten. Kind of a dream team of Super Sopranos team. creation. Mm-hmm. It really shows. I feel like the combination of Terrence Winter and Matt Weiner is really something. Yeah, no, this episode, I would put it in my top ten. I would too. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's really incredible. And when I think about season five, I know that some of the events in this episode are like part of the season five arc. Um, but I, I kind of forget that it's like all in one episode and a standout episode in that way and kind of the way that all the different things are unified within yeah. this episode. Totally. So I'm, yeah, on this viewing, I'm really noticing those things. There's also just scenes that were memorable for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I reflected on this show upon previous viewings, I remembered scenes like Finn and Meadows kind of exchange, late night exchanges, feeling kind of just like real to life in terms of representing that time in somebody's life mm-hmm. and kind of the dialogue feeling authentic. Dialogue just in general in this episode feeling authentic. I love the way that they kind of change the cadence and the vocabulary of characters from oh, character yeah. to character. They're so genius That reflects at like where people are, who they are. And then also just all the connective tissue in this episode is really amazing. There's so many subtle things going on at a writing level that just really kind of hammer home these themes and symbols that they are always working on on the show, but in this very like sophisticated, mature way that I feel like it's taken the show a while to kind of get to this point where it's just it's they've developed their own language, their own ideas and their own way of communicating them. Mm hmm. There's an interesting one in this episode surrounding the heat mm. and, like, mm-hmm. characters being in these really hot mm-hmm. environments. Well, especially Finn is one is the one. I guess Meadow also in the house, but Finn going to the construction site where they talk about the heat often, his space being hot. Who are some of the other people or examples of that? Well, a lot of them are surrounding those characters, like you were saying. Um, Tony and Tony Blundetto. Mm. All in the beginning of the episode are both sitting outside in the heat and it's, you know, like right. it kind of sets them into this environment. Whereas like right. Carmela, for example, in this episode is like wearing sweaters. Mm. She never looks like she's hot or seems like she's hot. Interesting. She doesn't sweat. Even in that first scene, actually, between Tony Soprano and Tony Blendetto, Tony talking about, like, making grilled cheeses on the radiators yep. in prison, like, using heat in different yep. ways. Um, you know, like, the sound of fans or, like, Vito having that fan, um, the fan in Meadow and Finn's apartment. Right. Um, yeah. So, there's, right. like, for me, that's kind of new, and maybe we'll get into it a little bit more, but for me, that's kind of a newer symbol that I think as mm. the next couple seasons come along, we get a little bit more into the heat. We have a lot more, and we had a little bit of, like, when Tony was down in Miami mm-hmm. with that and the redness of that light, mm. but... I don't know. I start to think about hell mm-hmm. whenever it's really it's really right. hot. It also kind of like sets us in time. Um, you know, yeah. it's clearly summer. Finn's just graduated. Um, there's these kind this kind of like summer energy to uh-huh. this part of the episode, and it's interesting like what season that this season leaves off in. Mm-hmm. And where it starts. Right. So, that is interesting because we're in a different season by the end. Yes. 
<laughs> we are in a different season at the end of the season. Yeah, I stopped I know, myself, I, but I, that I, is actually I what I I said that earlier. I was like, the season <laughs> of the end of the season? Yeah. That's actually exactly what we meant. Yeah, so that is interesting in this season. Season. Which season it is. <laughs> um, yeah, the other one is kind of this symbolism of rings mm. and circles. Mm. And I think that's something that we've kind like we've kind of interpreted right like you know by the way that the show is written um by the way that we like see and don't see characters based on how close they are to this like inner circle of the soprano family but we don't at least like i haven't noticed before and maybe some other viewers have noticed that how the symbolism of these kind of circles like talking about rings Mm -hmm. for example um and kind of the power that those that those things hold. So, right. Those are the two. Like you were talking about how they're like getting into their symbolism. I feel like they're actually like bringing out a lot of new symbolism. Right. Yeah. No. The Which thi- is amazing. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think that the show at this point has a distinctly different feel. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of going into new territory at this point. They mm-hmm. are exploring new issues new areas that haven't particularly been explored before and that it feels different yeah for me the kind of like lifeblood of this episode is this concept of people not owning up for their own situations Mm. that's the thing that kind of kept on coming back over and over in fact the title unidentified black males kind of insinuates that because there's multiple examples of people talking about scapegoats yeah people using unidentified black males as scapegoats there's a lot of examples of that be it tony with his revelation on the panic attacks that we have we have at the very beginning in fact that's kind of like a book ending at the very beginning we have tony soprano and tony blundetto tony saying there's so many locked up making grilled cheeses you'd think that there wouldn't be so many around when tony blundetto is also using it as a scapegoat yeah for his foot for his foot. I mean, there's, there is truly a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember because I, I uh, they say something about it when, uh, Lil Polly's Eugene Pontecorvo bashes in Lil Polly's face. They That's say, right. They say, yeah, they were just um, running away and they were going to be able to blame it on them. Yeah, exactly. Immediately there after was that, one other. there's Meadow, um, actually saying that when, when Finn says your ex was killed by, she's talking about confronting Meadow about, not dealing with her ex being killed and the people that her family have associated with meadow says well actually he was killed by drug dealers um african americans if yeah. you must know which is interesting because obviously we know all the details around that and she hasn't accepted the reality of that situation even though she doesn't have the information she has accepted a very convenient lie yeah um even i was thinking like they were taught when tony was using the excuse of that he and tony blendetta were looking for kelly mm -hmm. and they don't they don't say a black guy that she's with but and this is i'm i'm not saying anything whatsoever but just because meadow did say that like they were drug dealers i wonder if that was kind of insinuated with the kelly story like mm -hmm. they were using this as a scapegoat also for for her right So speaking of scapegoats and people not kind of owning up to the situations they're in, their issues, and confronting them head on in the way that one would expect perhaps in therapy to actually Mm -hmm. deal with issues and Mm -hmm. move on, um, I'm going to go through sequentially because there are so many that happen in this episode. It's nuts. Like almost every main character that we have dealt with 
exhibits this in some way. So I'm going to start early on in the episode. We have Carmela waiting at home um, when Tony comes back and is going to come in. Carmela's actually kind of excited about her tryst with, with Tony. Okay. Um, but, well, we kind of get that impression when she's talking to Gabriella. I know. It was just that you called it a tryst. A tryst. Is that not the right word? <laughs> no, it's fine. But it's correct? It, yeah, sure. Tryst? It's just nobody said that since, like, yeah. fucking, like, like Shakespearean Sh- Charlemagne <laughs> <laughs> conquered wherever yeah. the fuck he went. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, that's tryst. okay. Tryst. <laughs> <laughs> I dare say. Um, well, we have a situation where she's talking about how her, her reflections on this with Gabrielle. And then there's some interesting shots there, actually, immediately after we see her face. She's actually kind of put together. She's wearing nice clothes, wearing makeup, knowing that Tony's coming. Gabrielle says, you should talk to him. There's some great shots, actually, on her face and then Tony's face as he just kind of leaves. AJ's face being oblivious to kind of seeing this triangle of where all those characters live. But... The thing that happens right after that is Carmela saying, the last thing I needed was to talk. And Gabrielle actually kind of rolls her eyes at mm-hmm. that. So for me, there was kind of an example of Carmela does need to talk about this. They've just engaged in something that completely changes their situation. Is obviously problematic because they're in the middle of divorce proceedings. Mm-hmm. But Carmela just kind of shrugs it off and kind of goes with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um very shortly after that, in fact, maybe even the next scene, we have Tony on the golf tee having a panic attack. Johnny saying basically these sudden changes of weather. So basically like blaming his panic attack mm-hmm. on the weather in a way that isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. We he, have, he just needed electrolytes. He just needed electrolytes. Um, going on shortly, we have... Uh, I guess the next scene also with Meadow and Finn. Uh, let me just see here. We have... Actually, I have a different one. So what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, just that whole scene where Finn is kind of making excuses for himself, like about getting a job. And he's like, he's like, I wouldn't want to take a job away from a minority. And, right. And yeah, he, actually, I didn't even write that one down. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, kind of like he's just kind of like lazing around. He's not really hustling to get a job. Right. And he has all these reasons why he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, shortly after that, we have um, Carmela actually um, saying, after all these years, can't you own up to anything more than these bullshit tax returns to Tony? Um, so we have kind of like her actually confronting Tony at this moment on basically his inability to own up for things outside of what he's putting out there. Yeah. And he is unwilling to actually represent himself other than this this facade yeah um um there's some other interesting things just quickly in in that scene yeah um i they talk about how and this is when they're at the restaurant right Mm -hmm. um there's some great heat um language okay in that one uh tony's like this is all on my sweat right like that's Mm. how we got all this money was on his sweat and he talks about butter melting in your mouth Oh, interesting. Right. Um, But also, I liked the line where she was like, um, these guys live for that. And he says, says, so do I. You think I don't? Yeah. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. do I. Right. And I think like, yeah, anyways, just some good, great dialogue in that. Yeah. And And they talk about the nuclear family. 
All these things kind of end up interconnecting, which is really interesting. Like people not dealing with their issues ends up impacting other people. And as time goes on, people's reactions and ways of living are all influenced and informed by these other people. So shortly after we have Meadow and Carmela, Meadow, don't you want to live not dependent on some man? Um, Expecting things to be handed to them. Right. So we have this whole conversation between Meadow and Carmela. Meadow end up res ends up responding... It's simple for everyone, yeah, who isn't expecting things to be handed to them ever. F even, sorry, even Finn got a job working construction. Um, so obviously that's not taking responsibility for the level of entitlement that she has. Right, and that well, her dad's paying her credit card. Dad's paying her credit card. Finn got this job through Don't. connections. Yeah. Later on in the episode, we have Finn eating donuts on the site, taking a nap. I mean, to be able to throw this at her mom saying that, like, Finn is this hardworking guy who deserved this and, like, went out of his way and through his own sweat mm -hmm. got this is rather preposterous. And it's just, it is, it's an example of her not taking responsibility for all of the other things that are happening mm -hmm. around them. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So another one uh, going on to the tombstone of yeah. Peeps. Sill saying JC is dyslexic. I think Jason. Was it Jason? Oh, I thought it was JC. <laughs> I, I mean... We didn't check the subtitles, but... Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was Jason. That would make sense. But anyway, um, Tony's saying, well, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Which is true. Like, why would him being dyslexic make him make that right. error? <laughs> yeah. It is. It's just like, it's scapegoating. Like, yeah. everybody is engaging this. And his name is... Bavaretti? Bavarelli? Bavarelli. Yeah, Paparelli. Because Peeps Paparelli. <laughs> Oh, okay. Peeps. I guess I should have put the subtitles on. I guess I can't hear things. Maybe you can't hear. Play yeah. too much music. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I mean, and then you have people calling others out on this behavior, like Tony saying to sell, like, well, what does that have to do with anything? We have Carmela saying to Tony, can't you own up to these bullshit tax returns? Or up to more than these bullshit tax returns. But people never do. Mm -hmm. People are constantly just having these scapegoats for themselves and it makes things more convenient. Uh, then obviously we have this huge Tony story about Tony Blendetto. And um, the one that you were mentioning, sorry, not the major one at the very end, but where he's saying that he was upstate, this alibi. Yeah. And that's also implying the fact that he puts his neck out in that way is kind of implies that he knows it was his cousin yeah. who was involved in the hit. Yeah. So he's not owned. I mean, he's covering up, I guess. Yeah. But in a way, I mean, he's not really allowing the situation to be honest. And that's the other side of all these things is that it's, it's also a matter of nobody is engaging on an honest fashion. There's just so much duplicity and so much scapegoating around everybody's relationships that nothing is really real and nobody can really grow or develop or self-actualize in a way because everybody is just kind of in a constant position of bullshitting and blaming other people mm -hmm. and not taking responsibility for things and changing. Which yeah, is but it's hard to imagine this world where that would be the case like it's real. like what would be the implications of characters they can't. it's actually, not even it's not possible that, that idea them. of taking a moral inventory yeah. that's been brought up in this yeah. season it's just not really an option yeah. because it's just too horrific yeah um going on i mean there's just so many examples like finn then saying why don't we just get married it's another example of just avoiding the issues they're in the middle of this huge fight it seems like there's a lot of things that are pretty problematic for their relationship yeah. 
amongst them Vito maybe wanting to kill or fuck him. That seems to be a big problem. But also where they are, where they are in life, their desires. And they're just completely glossing over it. And they're just in a position where they just basically choose this kind of, like, easy answer. Yeah. You know, I didn't write it down. Like, um... That, I mean, it's not that, easy, but it it's like it's in the moment. It's like an it's like a cheap yeah, fix. I know Finn has the, these lines. I should have written them down um, about choices, right? Mm. Like Meadow Meadow says something about making a choice, and he was like, "Choices are just imposed on us by like the outs, outside forces of some sort." I should have written it down. Interesting, but I think that is interesting. Finn's an interesting character. He, like, he he's kind of like a. Um, I don't know. He's like a really kind of goofy character, but he does have some of these insights that I think are really interesting. Like he's he's at a level, like in terms of his connection to the Soprano family, that yeah. like I feel like we kind of like can see things through his eyes, right? Um, in some ways too. But he does talk about this like aspect of choices and like people making a choice. But I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It is interesting to think about that choice that he makes, too. I mean, it's like right after falling asleep and not knowing any, he's basically oscillating between breaking up and getting married for, mm. in some ways, no other reason than to end the conversation and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is, it I like, is like I like that part, like, just, in, again, in terms of the heat thing. Like, it also feels like the heat is really exacerbating these characters' tensions, right? Like, these could be things that they just kind of brush under the rug at any other time but Mm -hmm. there are these there's this like hotness to this episode and like the fact that Mm -hmm. like before he actually said like it's when Meadow goes into the bathroom like they're having this fight Meadow goes into the bathroom he kicks this fan that's been the backtrack to their whole interactions Mm -hmm. this whole episode yeah he kicks this fan and the and it makes this like clunking sound and it stops um sounds like it dies actually yeah And then, and that's when then she comes back and then he says, Which why don't we just get married? It's interesting too, because I mean, I guess that solves the problem of the fan, but it also provides no more yeah. support from the heat. So actually going forward, long term, it's worse. actually a much worse solution. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's interesting in terms of reflecting the yeah. marriage proposal. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Whoa. <laughs> um, going on. I mean, so the other one that I thought was interesting is Tony in therapy. Mm-hmm. So that one's really fascinating because that's a position where Melfi actually confronts him in a way where she forces him to confront these lies that he's been telling himself. Well, it's and that's so kind of funny the... that he would even t- like it's so interesting that he would even tell that lie to Melfi, mm-hmm. who's the person he's going to for panic attacks, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't tell her. And that. he blames her for panic for panic yeah. attacks. He says, "I would have thought that you would have fucking cured, cured them." them. Yeah. So that's such a great example of him imposing these problems on somebody else because that's all that he does. He says, um, you know, at some point, like when when uh, Melfi says, go on, he says, no, it's not that. Like, I need some Pinot. And like Melfi is saying, like, no, you need to actually engage with this issue and discuss it mm-hmm. and deal with it. But there's another example of Tony just trying to push it down, repress it, and mm-hmm. drink some wine. It's like a vice like anything else's. Yeah, and then well, so then she offers him some water. And then we see him, and I think the next scene is when we see him in the pool um, mm. at the Soprano household. And I think, like, I think the pool kind of is also this symbol 
And water, again, we've talked a lot about mm -hmm. water, but like that this is kind of like, it's almost... It's showing up it, a lot in this season, yeah. though. In particular, Tony in the pool. Yeah, it's not curative. I don't want to put it at that, but it does like in some ways kind of like cool down. Like that's where Tony and Carmela were able to have this moment of their tryst, as mm -hmm. you put it. Um, that, I mean, but then again, she was thrown into the pool by Tony and AJ. So it's kind of like this forced like it's like this way to avoid feeling this heat and feeling these tensions come up in some way or something like that i don't know for me there was something standing out about hmm. like melfi offering him some water him then being in the pool and like he was like splashing himself with water like he was like putting well, water the, the on tony, himself the, the pool also kind of seems to be tony's domain like we see, even in the pilot we see him in the in the pool at the beginning of this season we see the pool closed mm -hmm. as we start without him in this relationship but like for him to for them to throw carmela in there there's something like there's about the power dynamic where carmela is then thrown mm -hmm. into his orbit again mm -hmm. or his area of power yeah well control. that's the thing like for me like with the Soprano house in total, like that there is this, like, like I said, like when they were in there in this episode, there was no sense at all that it was hot outside. Right. There is this kind of like coolness to it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. There is, there is something definitely this season for sure with like waters symbolized all sorts of things for us. And I don't know if yeah. I, like I need to really sit with it and see if I can connect some of those yeah. elements as well, but maybe it's just different. Maybe there's something about water that is a different idea this season. Right. Yeah, and I mean, these symbols um, and metaphors are always changing. Yeah. It's constantly shifting. Um, okay, so I mean, that's a lot. I feel like that's, you know, that's, a, that's some examples of, of people being in situations where they're not owning up to... Yeah how they're involved in issues around them and confronting them. Mm -hmm. And people have a lot of different techniques in Soprano world to repress these difficulties, to scapegoat them. And, you know, we do have a lot of examples of people scapegoating them onto African-Americans, which is interesting because mm -hmm. we actually, I don't think we see any black people in this entire episode. No. Which is wild. I mean, it's like part of the problem is that this world is so white mm -hmm. it's i mean it's like it's italian dominated but people don't even interact with people from that culture really well people don't interact with anyone outside their culture yeah. right they're, i mean they're in this very yeah. not in this episode no 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 exactly yeah no not at all i mean but yeah. i was looking i mean you really sure. don't see anybody and it's so offensive not like, even like at the construction site i don't think i would have to look back but not a lot I mean, I, I don't think anything. I couldn't yeah. see anything. And, you know, for, like, Tony is using such racially charged, offensive, racist language. Like, in the end, to be saying jigaboo cocksuckers to fictional villains that he's yeah, that he's he invented. Yeah. And he's still in a position where he can racially charge his scapegoating yeah. is so extreme. And that it's, it's, it's kind of like you were talking about how these characters can't confront these issues because they can't do a moral inventory. It's, yeah. It is too horrible for these people. But like to take a step back, the fact that they're in some ways rationalizing what they do through these kind of like weird, basic conservative values and like basically coming up with these like broad generalities about the role of 
of African Americans in in the U.S. Like in the very beginning, Tony saying, you know, like there's so many of them in jail, and like these kind of these ideologies that are so simplistic and kind of so easily torn apart, but at the same time fuel everything that they do and fuels them rationalizing their actions and feeling better about themselves Yeah, is, um, is something to comment on because they're not interacting with these people. They don't have any connection to them and they're yeah. really predicated on lies. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like even Finn who comes across as like a pretty generic white guy like his name is Finn right you know like and he's has that hair and I love <laughs> I love the I love the reference to him as looking like shaggy mm-hmm. from Scooby-Doo he does like I wish he would wear like bell bottoms but um I don't think we ever hear his last name until this Detroit, episode right. mm-hmm. and which is I imagine a somewhat Italian last name right and so even right even he is in this circle right mm-hmm. like even though he is this kind of like outsider um and terrified of what goes on inside there he is part of that circle as well and they treat him that way mm-hmm. even like the circle of their lawn chairs you know like mm-hmm. they always sit in these in this circle at the at the construction site yeah we're talking on pie day is it Pie Day today? Actually, no, yesterday. That was, was yesterday. Today's the Ides of March. Oh, wow. Um, Not circle themes. Pie, pie symbolism. <laughs> um, yeah, like even he is part of that, right? And he's advantaged by his connection to that. And he then, like, you know, like I said, like he says, like, I wouldn't want to take a job away from a, min- a minority. Right. You're like, okay, Finn. Right. Um, yeah, like that aspect of. He's educated and maybe, like, understands some of these issues on a better level. And yet, at the same time, like, he's accepting... Oh, better, but... Well, it's, like, a deeper level, I guess. I mean, it's it more, it's less yeah. simplistic than Tony's kind of yeah. good and bad, black yep, yep. and white yep, yep. viewpoint. Yep. But at the same time, Finn is accepting handouts and not taking personal responsibility for... Oh, yeah. How, you know, how he's getting what he's getting and how his yeah. life is kind of coming together. I mean, there's, yeah. Well, and even the choice for him to then propose marriage, like that's tightening your, um, that's really bringing you into that circle, right? right. Like you're attaching yourself to that right. if he's, family, I mean, it's right? Funny and it's like when Polly yeah. comes up and he's like, my niece, blah, blah, like tell her it's from Uncle Polly. Right. Um, you know, he tries to pay for dinner with Tony, right? And Tony's like, do that with your own family. Right. Not with mine, right? Like he's actively bringing himself into this world. Yeah. Um, which based on his experiences in this episode, I would feel like he would be relatively hesitant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. But he, but he has a reason. Like he has some motivation for doing it. Yeah, it's not just Meadows' amazing smarts. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting scene actually near the beginning. Um, Finn offering to pay for the meal because that exposes like kind of the values of different people. And for Tony Soprano, it is these kind of like traditional old world values and there's an aspect of him using money as control too Mm -hmm. because in some ways that's all he has he engages in so much morally bankrupt behavior Mm -hmm. that he receives money and he can use it to buy basically people's support and friendship Mm -hmm. and if you strip that away from him really what does he have nothing 
He does absolutely nothing. And it's an interesting setting where it happens. It happens at this old homestead steakhouse, mm -hmm. this classic steakhouse that's in Chelsea um, from, I think, like the mid-1800s or like 1860s. Um, King of Beef. Like, for me, there's something even with that. Something about that cow and then the pig on Satrials, even though we don't see Well, the there's also a connection Satrials. to, like, what Tony has already confronted in this show with Melfi. Like, his connections to meat, how that's relevant to him and violence. For him to be this king of beef. Mm -hmm. There's something there for me. We see those, like, sizzling steaks come out in the cut from the scene with Tony B to the scene at the restaurant. Yeah. We, like, we... We enter the scene at the restaurant with these two sizzling steaks in front of us being right. carried by a Right, which waiter. is something that we've been handheld to coming to a realization about, which is one of the few things in the show where they basically told us yeah. this is Meat an association. Is, yeah. yeah. But it was also the heat. It was also the sizzling. It right. was also... Yeah. Yeah. It's not cold meat, like, at Satrials. Yeah. There was something different. Yeah. Interesting. Um... We have some other, actually, an interesting symbol that comes up very briefly that's kind of fascinating in this episode is the bear. Yeah. Very kind of yeah. underhanded treatment. Because it happens right as Carmela's on the phone with a lawyer who says, I'm going to have to recuse myself. I met with your husband. Edit yeah. to the bear. As she gets off the phone call, the bear leaves. That's she, it. And she never sees the bear. She never sees the bear. Exactly. We, and yet the bear is there. The bear. Yeah. And it's so closely linked to that conversation and the fact that Tony did go to these lawyers. Yeah. So, I mean, if anything, we, we were talking about the bear in the episode where the bear shows up earlier in this season. But, I mean, that really links Tony to the animal. It totally. really kind of strengthens that connection and that symbolism. Yeah. It's also that it's, like, rifling through the garbage. Right. Which I feel like is, like... Maybe, like, I don't know, it's just my just interpretation, but, like, the garbage left over from the party, you mm. know, or something like that. Like, right. that, like, then this, like, because we do deal with, like, the repercussions of that tryst. Yeah, um, tryst. <laughs> in, in this episode. So I just, and, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, how do I say it? It's threatening. Like, it seemed it like, like both characters, like both Tony and Carmela kind of both saw it as this yeah. nice thing. And they both mm. talk about that. Like, Carm was pretty happy about it. Even Tony was like, it was nice, you know? Yeah. Um, but it isn't. It, it kind of precipitates everything that happens in this episode. Yeah. Um, you know, with the kind of the anger between the two of them surrounding money. Yeah. And that's really what it's about, their anger towards each other at this point yeah like it's really focused on money um and i feel f i like you know it sucks for carmela in some ways <laughs> like she could never like no lawyer's gonna want to go into tony soprano's finances yeah they're at huge risk to right. do that i mean even a lawyer representing carmela is putting themselves at huge risk mm -hmm. um but it's this, you know, it's the power that his violence has, but it's also the power that his money has for yeah. people. And so. it's interesting, too, because Carmela has that conversation with Meadow where she says to Meadow, you have options, I have a lawyer. And in the end, she loses her lawyer, right? Yeah. So her options versus lawyer now she comparison is interesting yeah. because by the end of the episode, she has nothing. Yeah. So if we look at the arc of character, something really happens for Carmela in the course of this episode. Actually, a lot of things happen for a lot of characters. If we were to look at where characters are at the beginning of this episode and the end, most characters are kind of in a new place, which is interesting. It doesn't feel like an episode where 
it's that heavy in terms of plot action, but it really is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, yeah. It really is. It's And it's amazing writing because so much happens in kind of a more subtle way than, well, any other show would treat it, that's for sure. Yeah. No, I, yeah, there's a couple of things I kind of wanted to focus on in that sense. Like, I think, uh, and we've talked about it a little bit already, but I think, like, the engagement of Meadow and Finn versus kind of the dissolution of the marriage mm-hmm. between Tony and Carmela, which again, both of those things occur in this episode, right? Like yeah. Carmela actually goes to a lawyer and tells Tony, we're getting divorced. Yeah. Um, Meadow and Finn go from almost breaking up to then getting married, but Carmela's reaction is also really interesting too, right? Like I love that her first words are, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> um, and her emotions are obviously really... Um, complicated and Mm -hmm. and yeah like amped up and she's inside this house and Tony's outside in his pool splashing water on himself and you know Meadow and Finn seem really happy but this proposal came um, during like at the at 4.23 in the morning or whatever it was there was a time on the clock I think it was 4.23 but Mm -hmm. um, that it was just kind of like again a scapegoat to end this fight Um, he's also using his graduation present to buy her. Right? Wow, that's an, yeah, wow, so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> um, again, yeah that's like, the thing. Like the fact that Meadow would be like putting Finn up on a pedestal as this hardworking person who really fights for himself. Like nobody's really recognizing what they're getting in this situation yeah. and how they actually haven't done that much and they're very fortunate to be given a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, the other like the other part of this plot is kind of and you know is this revel not revelation but is this truth telling that Tony does about the situation with Tony Blundetta? Because mm-hmm. I think is it even like hinted at before? No. no, I mean like the reality. Yeah, not really. Not other really. than the fact that Tony feels guilty, just the guilt. Yeah, so this is like a huge revelation in this episode, and. I think it is interesting that this is something that, at least at this point in Tony's mental health, that this is really, seems to be the thing that's really, like, Tony Blundetto is the thing that's kind of causing him these panic attacks, right? So, like, the guilt, but as well as, you know, like, kind of his lack of control in some ways over him. And also the fear of the implications of how he's acted against New York. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, how that that impacts Tony. But then there's this other... And so, yeah, so I'll say that in a second. But I think, like, that revelation is going to stick with us throughout the next couple seasons as well. Um, I, I forgot, like, this was, like, I, you know, I obviously remembered that that was um, really the case. But I forgot that it was around, I thought for some reason Tony was younger when mm-hmm. it happened. I think because they kept saying it was 17 years ago. I don't know. There was something, like, I, for, I for some reason thought they were kind of still teenagers. Kind of like that story about when they, um, uh, you know, that with the card game, right? When right. they took down that card game. I kind of, like, saw it kind of happening more in that timeline. But right. what I didn't realize was that it happened when Meadow was three months old. Mm-hmm. And that Tony was kind of, like, defending Carmela against his mom. Yeah. When... And that they, is, and they had very this fight, and I kind of forgotten that element of it, and and that there is something about, yeah, like there there's something about like then like Tony being a dad and and having this kind of responsibility, um, 
Yeah, I guess Tony Blundetto was also a dad mm-hmm. at the time too. Right. To Kelly. Yeah. Right. But like, there's something about that, and again, like the fact that then Kelly is also brought up as this scapegoat in some ways is interesting. Like comparing this Kelly, who we, you know, sorry, spoiler, never meet right. or know about to Meadow, and seeing kind of those different trajectories there. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing that that is brought up an, uh, twice in the episode is Tony Blundetto's IQ. Right. And 158, very impressive. It is. I mean, I is that really his IQ? I'm not sure. Um, but that is something I think that's really interesting. And I can't quite, I don't quite know what to make of it. But it, I know that it is linked to kind of like Tony's, um, his, I, I mean, I think just his guilt surrounding it, right? Like kind of this right. what if kind of thing. What if? it had been him instead of Tony B right. or what if neither of them had gotten right. caught or, or what. So I think like, you know, and it's kind of, again, like hit, that's what I was kind of saying before, like with his kind of nervousness, his ability to kind of control Tony B, like Tony B is kind of out of his control. Um, and he is smart, you know, but Tony wasn't able to control mm-hmm. him going and killing Joy Peeps. Right. Right. Um, so he like kind of wants to get him under his thumb a little bit, but I yeah. don't know if he really knows how. Right. Yeah. Totally. Well, he has an interesting. Um, there was an interesting line from Christopher in this episode that mm-hmm. stuck out for me, where he was saying, "Tony, don't believe a person can change," mm. and that that's something that Tony said. So there's an interesting idea that's proposed in this episode too that Tony is somebody who doesn't believe people can change, which is interesting because he's somebody in therapy, and. I feel like one of the questions that this show poses mm. is, can somebody change? Yep. And increasingly, as time goes on, we get the feeling that, no, they can't. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that there's an example of that explicitly being stated in this episode. I can't think of it being stated before, but it's interesting to think about how Tony would be thinking of that information on Tony Blendetto. You know, how would Tony Blendetto be changing from who he was back yeah. then? And what would he be expecting? Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. It is also interesting in terms of, like, Christopher saying that, right? Like, because Christopher is kind of saying, like, that he believes that he can change. Right. And can he, though? Do you think? Mm, I don't know about, about old Chris. Chris, we'll see. He seems to be doing great. <laughs> he likes frozen Snickers bars. Does he? I didn't know that. That's what he was eating. Well, that's what he says to Adriana. He says, did you even go to the store? Right. And she's like, I, 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 I don't say that, but she's like, I put them in the freezer like you like them. Yeah, and, and then, then we see him Snickers. eating a cho- I don't, I don't, I think it's a Snickers. Oh, that's good. I didn't get um, this. But also like him eating this frozen food. I don't know the heat in this episode. I just really felt it. It was also like weirdly hot here today. So maybe yeah. I was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a hot Ides of March. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I just had a few other stray observations. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot, like, I think there's lots that we could talk about. Um, but yeah, let's go through our stray stuff. They might bring up some stuff. Well, one is just the, the multiple sides of characters that we get, that we see in this episode. For instance, on the construction site, Polly, the two sides that he shows to Finn as, as he first mm-hmm. shows up and is ordering we Finn. We haven't even talked about Vito yet. Oh, How are we doing right. stray observations? <laughs> that's a good point. There's a lot that happens in this episode. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll stray observations into Vito. How does that sound? Aww. How about I my, do my stray observation, and then we'll go straight into Vito because it's going to bring up Vito. Okay. So 
we have Polly ordering her on Finn. Polly finds out about Finn's relationship. He's mm-hmm. a completely different person. So there is this kind of like black and white attitude from the mob where people are either basically you're in monsters. Or you're, out. you're in or you're out, and people are basically monsters to everyone except for the people in their circle. Well, and, they're also family. monsters to people in their circle, as we saw from right. Eugene Pontecorvo. Yeah. And basically, if people Polly. don't, and also if people don't have something to give you, even if they are in your circle or can't benefit you, then they deserve to be mm-hmm. the recipient of, you know, monster behavior. Um, so Polly shows that, and also Vito shows that. Like, Vito is. So is is very friendly to Finn, but then after Finn is a threat to him, is very menacing, or not? I don't know. It's actually yeah. it's a little hard I, to read. I love but... I love the writing on that. Yeah, it's okay. great. All right, so can we talk about Vito. Yeah. Okay. Vito. I take it. I'd be I'd be threatened. I don't think Finn is out of his. <laughs> yeah, but like Vito seemed so sad when he didn't show up at the baseball game. <laughs> Like, but there's also like the implications of what that means that he didn't show up. Well, I know he should have shown up. <laughs> like, but he was dealing with this drama with Meadow. It was right. it's like it's really he sh- he definitely should have shown up. Um, or but, should he have? I mean, no. I mean, like, Gino invited him to a baseball game. <laughs> I mean, I don't think his intentions were that great. But. But that's the thing, like, that's, like, that kind of, like, genius, like... Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Except it's not, writing. because it's clearly related to Finn seeing him. I don't... But, like, then, like they wouldn't have shown us his reaction like that. And that yeah. scene where he is outside of the bathroom with Finn, like... Or the porta potty with Finn. Um, it is kind of ambiguous. Like, he's clearly... He is clear... Like, he's acknowledging that Finn saw that, and he is in some ways being menacing but i don't think that that's his only i think thing. he i mean yeah it's i don't think i don't think he wants to have sex with finn i don't no, like i don't read I don't that, that at that all and, and finn just doesn't really have any um no i don't think that that is accurate but um, but i also like i don't think that it's i think he does still see him as like this insider and he wants to like keep him in this very secretive circle it's interesting yeah and maybe there's multiple techniques for that. And we don't know Vito, which is interesting about yeah. this development because Vito is now being introduced as kind of like a major part of the ensemble for the yeah. first time. So we're learning about different sides of him as a character. And you're right, like, he just needs to make sure that this doesn't come out. And I guess he could do that through fear or mm-hmm. he could do that through, you know, bringing flies through honey or whatever, you know, by yeah. like being super nice to him and like. <laughs> Flies, flies through honey. Flies through honey. That famous slate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, you know, there's also another technique where he can basically just kind of like give him stuff and and yeah. kind of you well, know, which we, seems we to also, work for other people in the, in the yeah. orbit. Like we've seen it work for Carmela in some ways, yeah. where she gets stuff and it kind of buys you off. Yeah. From challenging. We also know that Vito has killed other of Meadows' boyfriends before. Right. So, which is interesting given the discussions that yeah, happened in this episode. We're just a little suspicious of him. Between Meadow and But him. the big, you know, big plot revelation that carries us into the next seasons as well is Vito and the security guard. Mm-hmm. And I. Yeah, and again, that's like that's a major plot development. Yeah, it's huge. Way. Um, also like related back to when like why Lil Polly gets his face beaten by Eugene Pontecorvo is that he like insinuated that Eugene was gay, mm-hmm. right? Like, and they were all kind People of like, like joking that. around. <laughs> so we know that this is a really big thing mm-hmm. in the mafia. And there's been references to it before, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
But yeah, Vito. Yeah. And like I don't know, and like it's interesting, like them all, like they talk about their, you know, they're talk all talking about their Gumars. Like there is this kind of like currency of having a relationship. There's that character Felicia, right? Who Finn looks at her underwear. Right, he does look at her underwear. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. So Vito. Now yep. we we can continue with stray observations. Like. <laughs> okay, you get it. Your turn. Stray observation. I, uh, my stray observation number one is that there were two references to Canada in this episode, so mm. we're Canadian. We are Canadian. Someone emailed us and asked right. and asked us if we were Canadian. And Apparently, we, they had a bet with their friends who were listening, and uh, some of them thought that we were from Minnesota. <laughs> But we're not. We're from we're Canada. We're not from Canada. But we live in New York. Um, there was references to the Blue Jays. There was the references. It was very quick, but I'll take it. And then also, Hunter Scancarello is living in Montreal. Very cool stuff. So, I wonder if she's at McGill. I don't know. But you have a French, <laughs> a French roommate or something. So yep. that's that's number one for me. We like that. I like it. What yeah. else have you got? Uh, <laughs> mine is like bleaker and more like <laughs> <laughs> um, just the idea of, of Tony saying in his therapy if Carmela woke up before I left it would send mixed signals and then Melfi basically taking that information and saying well I'm not sure if that's a good idea and then she gets cut off by Tony taking Getting a, phone, a call. phone call and yeah. then there's an edit and we actually leave that scene mm -hmm. so for me it's just it's another example I mean Tony's clearly engaging in horrible behavior and he's not Reengaging in this relationship in a healthy, productive way that basic that doesn't give any um, power to Carmela. He's basically stripping her in so many senses of power in this episode. But then also, as the episode continues and he's dealing with it, he just represses the whole thing yeah. and basically just exerts his power. Doesn't want to talk about it in therapy. And for us as viewers, we don't even get to engage in a deconstruction of that topic. It just goes away. I know. I wrote that one down, too, because that, that stood out for me. And I was going to mention it before, even when we were talking about scapegoats, like, that this phone call was also kind of a way of, for Tony to, like, escape that conversation. Like, to kind of, right. like... Yeah. It's another at least, a great at least example. deflect, I don't know, yeah. like, um, onto that. Um... Oh, I love John when Johnny Sack gets crazy. Oh, man. I love when he, he starts so talking crazy. about, like, he's like, I'm going to kill him and his wife and your cousin. Like, <laughs> he's just, like, going nuts. I love when he gets that crazy. Yeah. He is so crazy. Um, all I have is Johnny Sack is crazy, killing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I love how everyone at that scene at the funeral for Joey Peeps like that everyone that's raining again it's kind of this like cooling like it's this cooling energy but things are really kind of heating up there but everyone has like everyone puts up their umbrellas at the end and they're all looking over at tony and johnny sack when they're talking and then they go into the car right and then they come out of the car and both of them look at tony blindetto mm -hmm. and so i don't know just like really uh, the tension in there is really cool yeah no totally um we also find out that uh, Robin San Severino has a kid, and she told Adriana. And she's sassy. <laughs> and her kid is sassy. And she told Adriana that she doesn't have kids. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I missed that. Oh, yeah. 
We also have that scene on the beach. When did she tell Adriana that she doesn't have kids? Adriana asked her if she had kids, and she said no. In which episode? Do you remember? Or was that, it was this season, This though? season. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, we have a weird conversation. Of the Like, the only actually minority character we see in this episode, it seems to be some kind of boyfriend of Meadow's roommate, the princess. Mm, and princess. they're at the beach. I think her name is Alex. And they're at the beach, and they talk about him going into the CIA. Right. And then he says that instead he's going to go to film school. Right. And Finn's kind of, like, Finn's disturbed by this. Like, mm. Finn's actually, like, that's when Finn then gets up and leaves. Oh, interesting. And there is this tension. Yeah, good. There is this tension for Finn, and it's we kind of laugh at it because it's really funny, actually, that he has this, like, going to dental school thing. Yeah. But he also has this interest in photography and right. in art. Um, Which we know wouldn't be appreciated or supported by the people. By anybody in this, and probably not by his own family either, it seems, right? We'd appreciate it. We'd like it. We would. But then it was interesting, like, like, and then, of course, like, that someone said his, his photos have... What was it? Like, oh, I can't uh, think of the Sentimentality line. or something? Like no, a detached... No, like a complete lack of... Senti- like, like a detached sentimentalism yeah. or something, yeah. But it's interesting, their apartment, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know if I noticed this before, um, but at least their bedroom, maybe we haven't seen their bedroom before, but it is painted this, like, very deep color, hmm. almost like a greenish blue. Okay. And the art on their walls is all, like, posters. art posters. Yeah. And... It's just interesting to think about this, like, I don't know, like, for, like, for, less so for Meadow, but, like, maybe, like, the people who are surrounding them, this kind of, like, tension between um, these, like, privileged, um, privileged positions that they have access to, Mm -hmm. but then kind of feeling drawn towards these more artistic. Right. Careers, but not really having the depth to be able to access them. So, like that was, for me, that was the thing with like the art posters and Finn's photography, and there's maybe like, like fear too, because there's, yeah. there is just no support from the people around. Yeah, them. they just they can't receive that. Yeah. Anyways, there was something with that. I'm gonna keep paying attention to it. Um, let's see. I'm looking. I like the scene where Carmela throws all her groceries on the floor. Here's like a break. smash. Yep. <laughs> and that's all I've got. That's great. So, well, I love that episode. It's an amazing episode. Me too. The writing is yeah, top notch. It's just like so. I mean, each character like you Actually really directing too. There's yeah, good, there's you, good you stuff. just really believe each character's dialogue and that they, these are really things that they would say like. Meadow and Finn being so pretentious. Um, other characters not being so pretentious. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, season five at this point is really kind of coming into its own as, as a winning season for me around now. Yeah. Well, yeah. the next couple episodes we've got are really something. They're really cool. So if you like cool stuff, keep watching The Sopranos. Yeah. And listen to our show. <laughs> If you like our little talk, yeah, then you can email us. And Please we like do. to say where you think. Well, we just told you where we're from, but oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not from Minnesota. If you have any betting pools, <laughs> let us know. Um, but also email us. We actually like. We're really. We feel very fortunate. There's a couple people who have emailed us, yeah. and we actually get to engage in like longer conversations over email. It's great, and it's really fun yeah. for us. So yeah, yeah. So. We'll talk to you then. And when? 
if you email us. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to you if you email us. And if not, then you'll hear our voices next episode. Yeah. See you then. Bye. Bye.